everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dirty Money, bringing you the sinister side of finance. And we've got Mike in the studio. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. How you doing, Ben? I'm good, man. I'm just relieved that we have finally got this debt ceiling bill passed and the United States is not going to default on its debt. That is our first story today. We also got a few other interesting stories coming up. Oxycontin, the Sacklers, the family behind that infamous drug, they are dodging or trying to dodge responsibility for a lawsuit uh, deflecting uh, liability to their company rather than themselves in order to hang on to their wealth. We have Twitter, which is apparently worth only one third of what Elon Musk paid for it. Okay, he paid $44 billion for the company. Myself, I'm skeptical on that, but we'll uh, tell you why later in the show. And then we got New Zealand Air, which is now weighing people uh, before they get on their planes. I think it's kind of a funny, amusing story, but we'll tell you why. It's not really what you think, but you, you may be thinking, is this a sign of things to come? But who knows? So if you're listening to the show on any of the major podcast platforms, do leave us a five-star review. Do share the show with your friends. And if you're also on any of the micro content platforms like TikTok, YouTube, Short and Instagram Reels, uh, do follow us at Dirty Money Show is our handle on all of the micro content platforms. But first of all, Mike, we have a debt ceiling deal. It's passed the Senate and it is going to Biden's desk to be signed. You please? The whole debt and the budget for the federal government in the United States is so manipulated and so much like lifetime politicians just need to be completely stopped right now because what they do is they just vie for money for people that give them money to continue to stay in office so right. they're yeah. fighting with people to increase the debt so that we can spend more money on stuff for certain businesses that help for their campaign funding so really like yeah great we're not going to default on our money but maybe we should have defaulted on our money so that there would be a little bit more of an awakening to the reality of how manipulated our real financial systems are Perhaps, yeah. Well, this debt ceiling bill, it only saves the US government 1.5 trillion over 10 years, which is still, you know, a drop in the ocean, really. When you think about it, the budget is like 6.8 trillion a year. And we're saving 1.5 over 10 years. That's like, you know, 150 billion a year. It's not even really uh, going to make that much of a dent. I'll tell you what's in the debt ceiling bill, because it was a bit of a compromise on both sides. It keeps non-defense discretionary spending in the 2024 budget roughly steady at 2023 levels, and it only grows by 1% in 2025. Defense, there is a requirement for an $886 billion budget, and that's a 3% increase. The SNAP program, that's food stamps, they're actually expanding work requirements. I couldn't find what these work requirements are, but apparently there are now work requirements for able-bodied adults under the age of 54 in order to receive the food stamps. But the funny thing is the Congressional Budget Office says that actually this bill is going to make the SNAP program, the food stamps program, actually get more expensive. It's going to add $2.1 billion over 10 years, which is like the opposite of what they were trying to achieve, which is kind of crazy. The SNAP one is interesting, I think, because I was listening to some analysis the other day and they were talking about small businesses trying to find workers right and how hard it is for small businesses to try to find workers and it's because well part of it's because they're competing with the government you know because there are all these programs where you can get free money from the government whether that's unemployment insurance or a snap wic all these different programs assistance with rent etc 
And basically people are competing, some businesses, they're competing with the government because some people will just not work because they can get all this free money, right? So if you introduce work requirements, say you have to work in order to get this free money, then it's a little bit fairer to the small businesses. So as a small business owner myself, I thought that was pretty interesting and pretty cool. And then, you know, there are a few other things, notably the COVID aid. It rescinds roughly $27 billion in unspent COVID aid to public health infrastructure and disaster relief programs. That will be reallocated to non-defense discretionary spending. So the Democrats can use that money to sort of make up some of the money they're now not allowed to spend um, in the, the discretionary spending non-defense. The women and children program is a little bit different than the SNAP program. Like that just provides the dairy products pretty much from what I know and bread, I think, to women who have, you know, recently had children. SNAP is the one they're bringing in the work requirements, not WIC. Originally, it's called food stamps, right? 25 years ago, they changed the name and becomes a little bit more palatable. If you're an individual and you don't have a job, then you get more. But if you have a job, then it's based on your income. And I think the threshold is pretty low as it stands. So I'm curious to see what it's really going to do for people who are actually working. Because if you're actually working and you need to be on a SNAP program, there's a systemic problem in our society. Unless you have like five or four or three kids and you're raising them on your own, then it makes sense. But if you're a single person who needs the SNAP funding, then and you can't even survive on your job and you're working normally... There's a systemic problem there. But I think it's kind of interesting that they're adding money to this program. The only thing I can think of is that the inflation on food, maybe they need to add more money to it because food gets really expensive in the last two years. It seems that it's, it's quite a heavy compromise, but the Democrats seem a bit more enthusiastic about it than the Republicans. So we've actually got an article here, every senator who voted against the bill and you can see, I think there were 31 Republicans that voted against it, but only five what they call progressives, which includes some Democrats and I think Bernie Sanders, who's technically an independent, basically people who vote with the Democrats. So five of them voted against, one senator uh, didn't attend the vote. It passed, but the Democrats were a lot more enthusiastic about it than the Republicans were. So these are the people who voted for it. So if you want, you can see whether your senator voted for it or not. Four members of the Democratic caucus, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren voted against it. Bernie Sanders, I think, voted against it as well. They probably wanted a bit more spending. Yes, exactly. The Democrats that voted against it wanted it to be more spending and more left-wing. The Republicans voted against it because they thought it was too left-wing. J.D. Vance, there you go, he voted against it on the Republican side. I'm happy that it's over. We'll cross the bridge again in two years. When, when everything has to be upped again, they're going to continue to spend money and, you know, we'll ride the bubble of the financial world until 25. And I think everyone enjoying 5% interest rates on the six month treasury now sheds a sigh of relief that you're safe for basically two years. You can invest in six month treasuries and roll them over for up to two years without much worry because you're not going to default. (laughs) So I'm going to be buying some. I I mean, I think there's better ways to make money right now. The AI bubble is upon us. (laughs) Well, you just said the word bubble, so I don't know whether... (laughs) The beginning of the bubble, right? The beginning. As long as it's the beginning, Mike. Well, speaking of the AI bubble, let's go into talking about NVIDIA, because I know this is something you wanted to talk about. Uh, And it actually crossed the trillion or close to a trillion dollars on Tuesday. Yeah, Um, they went over a trillion in the morning on Tuesday morning, $404 per share. NVIDIA 
which is known for having computer graphics cards. That's like their, their bread and butter. That's where they're from. So the AI generated images are largely supported by NVIDIA technology. Oh, of course. GPUs, right? Yeah, exactly. So this is kind of similar to the Bitcoin mining thing when like, you know, because Bitcoin mining used the GPU and that sent NVIDIA stock up. This is like a second wave of that because now AI stuff uses it. Exactly. And, and so wow. the interesting is there's only like six companies that are over a trillion dollar market cap. You can see here, there's Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and NVIDIA. These are the U.S. companies that are hedging the way for AI. Most of them have already been in the trillion dollar market space, like Amazon and Apple. And Microsoft, they're at over $2 trillion in total, total market cap. And so what, what happens now is you have NVIDIA, which, like you said, was boosted by the GPUs for the mining crypto. But right now, today, they're at $973 billion, So they drop below, right? But... Should I buy the dip? Uh, I did. You did? You did? <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I bought I bought into NVIDIA two months ago, three months ago. End of March, I bought a bunch of AI stocks. I wouldn't really say it was a dip right now. It's probably... A dimple. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a dimple. <laughs> That's it. But it's really interesting because they expect sales, the, the expected sales on their report for the second quarter was 50% higher than expected. NVIDIA's was. So we're going to continue to see this trend of AI stocks bubbling out until someone comes along and regulates the industry and says, this is where we stop. This bubble, from my understanding, is just going to keep riding up. So if you were on the dot-com bubble in the, early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you made a killing. If you were on yeah. the housing bubble and you got into real estate and you were able to leverage your uh, equity in your home to get another mortgage and get a second home, you know, at the, before the 2008 crisis, when houses were, were valued based on what their potential value would be on the growth for the next six months, and then you could get a loan for that. Yeah. You made a lot of money on that bubble as long as you weren't hold, stuck holding the bag. And then, you know, recently we've had a lot of the tech bubble and that kind of, kind of hit hard. Uh, at the beginning of this year when Meta took a crash and these other companies. The Metaverse started. bubble. Yeah, the Metaverse bubble, right? And Everyone the thought the Metaverse was going to be this huge thing and it just sort of fizzled out. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and the crypto bubble, right? Crypto blew up during COVID. That was yes. like, yes. That, that was a huge bubble. And now it's like back to- People thought we were going to end up in a Mad Max type scenario where you'd have to trade your Bitcoin for bullets and water and- uh, Yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still a firm believer in the metaverse is going to work. The problem is, is that we need to have a, a unit that's under a pound that you can wear on your head and it's augmented. So I'm, I'm hoping to see Apple. I think, I actually think the Google, you remember Google Glass? I think right. that was interesting. Like, I, I don't like the idea of virtual reality. Like, I think the average person doesn't want to live in a virtual re world, but I think the average person is up for augmented reality where they, you know, they have glasses that see the world, but they can access information in the glasses and it can interact with things in the real world. You yeah. know, like they're looking at something and automatically they go to a supermarket and prices come up for things in their glasses or they're looking at something and they say, take a picture, send it to my girlfriend, you know, whatever, something like that. I, I think that would, that would be awesome. 
Exactly. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that's where they want to go with the augmented reality. There's a lot of different things that this AI is really going to, to help grow. I think there's still going to be a market for physical, real people, you know? Like if you go to a high-class restaurant, you are not going to pay. It takes a long time to order at McDonald's now. You use a kiosk, you got to navigate through all these menus. I came back from London a few months ago, and I went to a business class check-in, and they, they, for some reason, guided me to a automated desk. And I was angry at them. I, well, okay, I shouldn't really get angry, but I was like, this is a business class ticket, and you're guiding me to an automated computer? What on earth are you doing? And then they were like, oh, we're very sorry, sir. I thought you wanted to use, because for some reason, some people want to, but they were like, oh, we're very, very sorry. And they took me over this place with like real humans and where they were all like, oh, hello, sir. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you want that, right? Uh, that's like the same thing, like Trader Joe's. They, they have that model too, like real humans. Like you can't order from their website. They don't do it. They could make a killing selling stuff on their website, but they refuse to. They say the only place you can buy it is in store because we give you a real in-store experience where all our staff know a lot about the products and they'll talk to you in a really happy, friendly way and people like it, right? So there's going to be a market for that versus automated stuff, I think, going into the future. But there's an AI boom right now and there's an AI bubble with that boom. So let's... let's. Just... When does it finish? When does the bubble finish? When someone pulls in the regulations and says, you guys can no longer do this, 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 and this, and this, and it has to be government sanctioned and there's regulations that come down the pipeline uh, okay <laughs> here we go hashtag not financial advice let's talk about the oxycotton now because uh this is an interesting story the sacklers they're trying to dodge responsibility the sacklers are the creators of oxycotton in 1996 they created oxycotton and they pushed it to the world for the next 20 years so until 2016 they promoted, uh, did everything they could to entice doctors, hospitals, uh, pharmacies to sell Oxycontin, knowingly that it was one of the most addictive substances on the planet. What happened is, is in the, the mid-2000s, they started to get lawsuits for death, for people overdosing and dying on it. They filed for bankruptcy in 2019. When they filed for bankruptcy, it tied up a lot of their finances because immediately the government seizes all assets, depending on what bio you choose. They had like 10 billion and Purdue Pharma then decided that they were filing for bankruptcy after all these lawsuits. They agreed to pay $6 billion in lawsuits uh, out, out of their, their money. So it's gonna leave them with four or $5 billion. If you go buy drugs, from somebody and you overdose and die and you there's a way to connect that with your drug dealer there's a possibility that drug dealer gets charged criminally right now we have a fentanyl crisis in america oxycontin was the one prior to that but times one oxycontin pill on the street would sell for 60 to 80 dollars you've had thousands tens of thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of people that died because of using your products. Can you imagine if you if Ford had 100,000 people die because someone drove their car? Done. Yeah. Doesn't exist yeah, that yeah. I mean, they do yeah. a recall for way less than that, for like one yeah. death because of something right. called. They do a recall for one death. And there's something wrong there still. So I couldn't get to the bottom of exactly why. But this, now once they come out of bankruptcy, Purdue, since, since now they've come to a terms 
is $6 billion will be given to addiction and pre prevention treatment programs. Out of that $6 billion, only 750 of a million of it's allocated to actual individuals and their families. That's always what happens with a class action lawsuit. You sign up for it and you get like $10 three years yeah. later or something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I've been in class action lawsuits for like various things, uh, you know, like airline, you know, mispriced mm -hmm. tickets or something. And they paid out like 50 million and I got 73 cents or something like that, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the, the lawyers that handled the case are the ones that, that cashed out. They get the commission on, on yeah. the whole amount, don't they? Yeah, so. yeah, right. They're the ones that cashed out. But there's a new company that will emerge from this called Noah Pharma. Interestingly enough, the FDA has not stopped sales and manufacturing of Oxycontin to this day. No, yeah, you can still get it. I think they're a bit more cautious, though, who they uh, prescribe it to now, though, I think. They're going to create Noah held by a trust, but this company is still going to own and manufacture Oxycontin. That sounds like, <laughs> yeah, not sure how much of a victory this is. but <laughs> Okay, well, talking of falling down, let's look at our next story because Twitter is apparently down to only $15 billion in value. So a third of what Elon Musk paid for it, apparently. Okay, according to Fidelity. So Elon paid $44 billion to buy Twitter. And Fidel Fidelity says that Twitter is now only valued at $15 billion. Of course, I think there's a lot of opinion in that because that's a, it's a private company anyway. So it's not like we're measuring a market cap on the open market. So they've done their own valuation of it. What, what do you think about this, Mike? Elon's disrupted social media. Every, everything this man touches for operations, he disrupts an entire industry. He does. He, yeah. disrupted, he disrupted automobiles that, that were functioning and, and making some of the wealthiest people in the world for the last hundred years disrupted the whole industry in the last 20 years. SpaceX has disrupted the entire space exploration and uh, the advancement of space technologies. And now he's doing the same thing with Twitter. Blue check? Yeah, eight bucks. <laughs> right, eight bucks. <laughs> and and how long did it take for another social media to follow suit with the blue check? Like a month. <laughs> a month. This is even more expensive. There's this fourteen ninety nine on Instagram. Yeah. I'm, I'm paying for both. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's really interesting to think, like, what is he gonna plan? I'm interested to know when he's gonna take Twitter public again, because yeah. I'm gonna be the first one to sign up. You know, I'm gonna I'll buy. It. Yeah, I'm gonna buy. I'm, I'm sure if he takes it public again, then we'll get the real valuation that's not based on some, uh, you know, opinion of some organized, you know, cause I think that it, like I tried to search for information on Twitter, right? And it seemed that every news source I could find was a negative article, like all of them. I didn't find any objective articles about it, analyzing, you know, how much money being brought in from blue check marks and stuff. All of the articles were negative. They used like adjectives like uh, Elon Musk's zealous attempt to take Twitter and change it. And it was all very negative and very exaggerated. And no one was saying like, oh, this is his business plan. This is what he's doing. And the guy says they might be cash flow positive next quarter, which is huge because Twitter hardly made any money before. Right. Yeah. He basically said when he took over Twitter, he had four months and they were going to go bankrupt. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, and he did the quickest thing he could do to cash grab. Blue check marks. We've got millions and millions of users. You want to be a special one? Here's a check mark. Yeah. yeah, and people pay for it. And I was trying to get the check mark on Twitter and on Instagram before, and they would never approve me for it. And now I got it just through paying. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know. Yeah. So simple solution, and and a, you know a good revenue grab. And you pay every month for that, right? I pay every month. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do it because I get so many scams. People, they create an account with my face and my name, just like one letter different or something. And they try to scam my followers into buying Bitcoin and things like that. So now my followers know, unless they see a blue check mark, it's not me, you know? See, it's actually helpful as well. So he created a solution for two, two different, the consumer and for the business. And that's really how you do good business. What's the real value of Twitter? Since Elon Musk is the head of that company, I would say it's probably worth more than it was when he bought it. Yeah, I would say that too. I mean, Tesla, back in the day when everyone was saying, oh, don't invest in Tesla. It's, uh, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And then we had like a 10x gain on, on yeah. Tesla. You know? right. so. And they control 62% of the electric car market in the United States. Well, that's right. a crazy number. 62% of electric vehicles in the United States are Teslas. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And those so, are the ones that are cool. You, you don't, you see another vehicle that's electric and you're like, Oh, I should have got a Tesla, man. You know? Yeah, they, exactly. They're, they're, they're the ones that are, that are innovating and changing everything. So I think that, you know, Twitter, he also changed the fact that there's no more censoring. There's no more, you know, is this a truthful post or, you know, some people could say, well, that's bad. Some people could say that's good, but fundamentally it's freedom. You know, if you, if you think that that shouldn't be up there, well, put a, put a comment below it and let people know either side. doesn't matter. You yeah. think it should be there. It shouldn't be there. Talk about it. And, and that's, that's the advantage that I really think that he brought to the table with Twitter. Yeah. I like it a lot more now. I, I go in there way more than I used to. I actually see interesting stuff on there now. <laughs> I was wondering, they were broadcasting the, the NBA finals last night on Twitter. And I was like, that's pretty wow. interesting, you know, because it was on the public channels. If you have an antenna, you should be able to watch it. I'm sure there's some kind of agreement. I know YouTube TV just purchased this year the rights to the NFL Sunday ticket, which is oh, okay. a huge deal because, you know, Google has epically failed at launching YouTube TV for the last, I don't know how many years. Um, I, I just think that's a, a ridiculous product because the name is wrong. You know, it's YouTube, right? The whole idea of YouTube is like user created. When yeah. you try and make YouTube TV, that's not YouTube anymore. They should just call it something different. Call it like Google TV or something, you know? Yeah, I was sitting with a, a friend on a flight uh, back from New York recently. And I, I said, you know, the problem with YouTube TV is their, their chief marketing officer or whoever put that whole program together tried to name it the same thing as YouTube. You should call it UTV or Tube TV or YTV. And yeah, then you have a different totally. product and you can sell it, you'd be successful. But right now they're they're trying to merge two products that traditionally one's always been free and you're gonna make people pay for it. But I, let's be clear, the NFL Sunday ticket is the most sought after thing in all of sports. If you look for trending topics on Google, trending topics on, on yeah. different social media. It's always the NFL. Google trends. Yeah. Always the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So they made a, they made a big move 
to get the NFL Sunday ticket, which allows anybody to watch out-of-market NFL games. Let's see what Twitter does. Maybe he'll do something with Tucker where he creates Tucker TV on Twitter. Yeah. You know? That's what he said he wants to do, doesn't he? Uh, Twitter, using Twitter. Yeah, well, maybe he create. I wouldn't call it Twitter because Twitter, you know, has a different name, right? You you got to use it as part. Well, of it's that. gonna be it's gonna be X dot com, isn't it? Like it's gonna be the everything app. I, I think that's what he's gonna. Maybe Musk will use Tucker to launch X dot com and massively. Twitter's just gonna be one part of X dot com. So. Yeah, that there you go. So we'll see how that evolves. Let's finish on a lighter note or a heavier note, pun intended, <laughs> because. Uh, New Zealand Air is apparently now going to be weighing passengers before they get on the plane. From now until July 2nd, they're having this program to weigh passengers. When you hear the headline of this, it's very sensational. But when you actually read the article, it's a little bit not quite what you think. So first of all, what do you think it's about, Mike? Pound for pound, the biggest heavy weights in the world go boxing. No, it's about them looking at how much they're going to charge people down the road. And if they can get away with this. <laughs> yeah, so that's what a lot of people think. Uh, and I mean, I was envisioning like, okay, you're like 200 pounds. You pay like 50 bucks extra for a ticket versus someone who's 150 pounds or something. Um, they say it's not because of that, though. They say really what it is, is it's just a survey to determine the average weight of a passenger for their fuel efficiency calculations. That's, that's what they say it is. And they've said that it's actually optional. You don't have to be weighed. The interesting thing, though, what they've done is they've made like an anonymous, the survey is anonymous, so they don't scan your boarding pass. And also it's at the gate and the person who weighs you can't actually see the uh, number of pounds that you weigh. So it goes into a, a computer blindly. But, you know, I, I think they can still guess. Be like, oh, <laughs> 350. <laughs> you know, you get some big guys on there. Like, you pretty much know anyway, but, you know. Um, but yeah, apparently it's not, it's not for adjusting ticket prices. It's more for fuel efficiency calculations. That's what they say. Well, I get it. It, it depends on how much weight's in the in the plane for tail, you know. But distribution and things. Yeah. Yeah. I I still think that. Actually, you no. Know, for distribution, it wouldn't work because it can't be an anonymous. You'd have to know what seat the person is in for distribution of weight. But they they what they say is they want to determine the average passenger weight. This is the beginning of the envelope, right? Yeah, the beginning. So, they're starting this, a narrative. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. They're starting a narrative and, and they're thinking like, how much backlash do we get by this? Oh, we didn't really get a lot. Let's continue to do it for the next six months and see if we get any more. Oh, we <laughs> did it for the next six months. Let's install scales right before you step on the gate. So yeah. as you're going into the gate and you're clicking your ticket, they go, they can see your weight right at the time and they go, okay, we, we took your weight last time you flew on New Zealand air and uh, we've gained five pounds. <laughs> you've gained 17 pounds. Um, we're going to take some of your New Zealand air points away. Okay. We're going to use some of your points to cover this. So if you got, if you got points in your card, I, I would be up for this because I'm pretty light. So I, I would be like, yeah, you know, maybe you can give me a higher status. Like I'm now a gold member or something because I don't weigh too much, you know? I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. uh, I'm going to be paying more every time. This reminds me of, uh, of Heart Attack Grill. Do you know that place, Heart Attack Grill in Vegas? They have a massive scales outside. And uh, if you're over 350 pounds, you eat for free. 
which is like the opposite of really what they should be doing. <laughs> but but yeah, because they're just sort of encouraging, you know. Yeah, right. Marketing. Yeah, but um, I, I had a friend actually who he's, uh, I won't say who this is, but he he's kind of on a weight loss journey and he's very large and he he's he's just about under 350 now. But we were joking like, oh, while you still can, because he's really trying hard to lose weight. And I was like, while you still can, you should go to Heart Attack Grill, you know, because you'd eat for free. But I think he's under 350 now. So he's <laughs> so it's an achievement for him, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's very unhealthy. <laughs> Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it might encourage people to to lose weight and say, "Oh, I'm flying to New Zealand. I, I better slim down." You know, yeah. I, I mean, they, it couldn't hurt. I think this is just starting the narrative. Sorry, sir, you're too fat. You can't order the double. Only one patty, I'm afraid. You know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> just like you're too drunk, um, we're not going to give you shots. You can have a Miller Lite though, as long as they don't see see the same kind of backlash target sees right now they're gonna they're gonna continue to push the narrative airlines seem to be charging for more and more things these days what do, what do you think i think some airlines even contemplated coin operated toilets where you you put a coin in to go <laughs> to go in <laughs> i've heard jokes like at any point in time if you need an emergency please insert a quarter and an oxygen mask will come down like on the right, no, yeah. no frills airline. I remember I was flying one when I was a kid and the, the stewardess literally said that as a joke and everybody started laughing and I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. I was like 19 or something. There's like patents for plane seats on very short haul flights, like under an hour where they're basically like bicycle seats and they're like very close together. So your legs are like kind of standing. You're sort of semi standing. Uh, so they pack like double the amount of people in. Uh, it's only for very short flights, like one hour flights. I don't think they've ever been implemented, but it's been patented. But you think about how many people go on a bus and just stand, right? And hold onto a handle or on the subway. I mean, if your flight was very short and you were willing to stand, but still resting your butt against a seat. So it takes the weight off you. It could be acceptable. I don't know. It's another way for airlines to try to squeeze the numbers. Let's see what happens after July 2nd, if they're still around. Uh, doing it after that and then i'll go okay they push right, that'll be the test whether they're going to go heart attack grill on us yeah. yeah exactly all right well i think that's a cool place to end it today some interesting stories certainly very happy to see that debt ceiling thing passed i will look into nvidia the market yeah. definitely responded to the bill being passed i think the dow was up like 600 points yeah started, so. it's a good day for the dow all right guys well if you are listening to us on any of the major podcast platforms do leave us a five-star review we'd really appreciate it and share this podcast with your friends you'll also find us on youtube tiktok and instagram reels uh with the micro content where our handle is at dirty money show okay do subscribe and follow on those platforms if you use them thanks so much for joining me again mike hey thanks for being here and we'll see you guys next week on Dirty Money.